Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him. You're listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities, and it is our aim to lead you to the cross through the teaching of God's Word. captain of my own destiny. I can do what I want with you. I can take you or I can leave you. Jesus lets him go, the only power you've got is what my father gave you. And you're accountable for that. And then the subject of friends comes up. Subject of friends come up. And so he goes, I'm gonna release him. There's no reason to do anything more to him. They go, if you release him, you're no friend of Caesar. And so what, what they do is they bring in Pilate's relationship with Caesar and being a friend of Caesar, that's, a, that's basically a title that's given, but it's still a peer pressure type of thing. If you release this man, he's claimed to be a king and there, was, there is no king but Caesar, you let him go, you're no friend of Caesar. And that's exactly what the devil does to most people who refuse to come to Christ. You, you come to Jesus you're gonna lose the people who are closest to you. And you know, every, every single one of us that came to the point where we had to make a decision about Jesus, we're in the, the exact same type of situation. All, all this stuff, and, and it's not that God didn't do this stuff in my life previous, because there were times when, when, when God would kind of break through and, and show me who he was up until the day that I got saved. On the day that I got saved, all of this stuff, all of it happened to me. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm getting an idea of who Jesus is. The things that are being said about him are starting to make me uncomfortable. I'm starting to realize that I'm gonna have to make some kind of decision about this whole thing. This is crazy stuff. Is this real? Is this really happening to me? All those things are going through my, my mind. There's literal fear. I, I'm, I'm just not a, a, a fearful guy. I'm not afraid of a, a, of a whole lot. And one of the times that I was the most afraid in my life was the day that I got saved because I was gonna to have to make this choice that was gonna change everything. Fortunately, I was there by myself. My, my friend who had invited me to, to go to church with him that night never even showed up. And so I'm just a kid that's sitting in the back of the church at that point and the pastor's looking at me, the pastor's pointing at me, the pastor's talking about all my sin, I thought. You know, he was doing it with everybody else in the room too. But I thought that's what was happening to me and I'm getting more and more fearful. One of the, thing, the things that happened to me, you guys, is this is, this is um, one of the reasons that I have such a respect for the word of God. Because the first time that it was ever preached to me in a way that I could understand, I was sitting there going, how can that guy be reading from a 2,000 year old book and it applies to my life? How can that guy, how can this be happening? How can he be talking about what I've done? And it's there in that book. How can that be going on? And I, I knew nothing about the Bible at that time. And so that's freaking me out. Everything about it was freaking me out. And then finally, he, he said, you're gonna have to make a choice. You're gonna have to make a decision. And, I had to, and as I was making that decision, I'm thinking of Herb, and I'm thinking of Ken, and I'm thinking of Steve, and I'm thinking of Scott, 
And I think, I'm thinking of all my friends that, are, that I'm gonna have to go talk to. I'm thinking of my girlfriend. I'm thinking of all my friends that I'm gonna have to tell that I became a Christian because I knew that's, that's where this, this whole thing was gonna go. And again, I was afraid at that point, totally afraid. And then finally, I had to make a choice and that's what happens with Pilate. He gets to that point, friends are mentioned, friend of Caesar, and now he's gotta make a choice. From then on, again, Pilate, verse 12, sought to release him, but the Jews cried out saying, if you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself uh, king speaks against Caesar. And when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. And so what Pilate does is he picks his relationship with Caesar over his relationship with the Son of God. And most often when people will not follow the Lord, that's exactly what they're doing. They have somebody, sometimes it's a thing, but most often it's a somebody. They have somebody that they're picking over the Lord himself. And obviously Pilate's gone on and he's actually met the Lord and he knows what kind of mistake he made at this point. Everybody has to make a choice. Everybody has to decide. There's a thing in here that I I need to address real quick. In verse 14, it says, now it was the preparation day of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he said to to the Jews, behold your king. Okay. There's a problem with that passage. And the problem is it conflicts with a passage in, in the gospel of Mark. And so in Mark uh, 15, 25, it says, now it was the third hour and they crucified him. Okay, so in John's gospel, it says it was about the sixth hour. And in Mark's gospel, it says it was the third hour. So which one is it? And so most likely what we're using here is, uh, there's, there, there's a good chance that what we're using here is Jewish time. And so the sixth hour would be um, six, or excuse me, 12 noon. And so the day started at sunup and the sixth hour would be noon. The ninth hour would be three o'clock. That's when you, when you start, when you have the sacrifices. And then the 12th hour would be sundown, okay? And so that's Jewish reckoning. Um, in Mark's gospel, you probably have the same thing. Now, one of the things that they try to do is they try to reconcile those two passages. And so uh, with the Romans, the Romans factored time exactly like we do. We do it in the Roman style. And so at midnight is the, you know, midnight to one, that's the first hour. And so the sixth hour would be sunup. And so then with Mark, the third hour you know, they, they, they try to flip these things around so they can, they can get some kind of situation where it all goes together. Um, let me ask you a couple questions. Are there 12 hours of daylight in a day? Yep, twice a year, right? And so it's gonna be on March 21st and September 22nd. Um, I put the notes together last week and so we're probably about, let's see, probably about seven minutes off. And so today there are going to be about 15 hours and 10 minutes in the day at this point. And so noon um, was about at about one o'clock today when you're talking about solar noon. So right about one o'clock is noon today. 
Okay, and so when you're looking at time, generally speaking, when we're thinking of time, we're thinking of time like this. I got a watch, and so this is the way it works. Did they have watches in the first century? No, they didn't. Did they have, did they have sundials? Yes, they did. Did they carry the sundials around on their, on their wrists? No, di- no, they did not, right? And so when you're, when you're talking about time in ancient times, Basically, the way that time was figured was by watches, not watches like this, but watches during the night, watches during the day. And so, for example, there's, there's some references to the third watch. And so you, uh, the first watch was basically from sundown to about nine o'clock at night. And then from nine o'clock at night to 12, that was the second watch. From 12 to three was the third watch. And from three to sunrise was the fourth watch. Well, they would do the same thing during the day. And so the sunrise was the beginning of the day. The third hour was mid-morning. The sixth hour was midday. The ninth hour was about, was mid-afternoon. And then you had sundown, okay? And so this is how they figured time. So when you're, when you're looking at the way that um, people without watches think about time, they're not thinking about hours like we do. And so if I say, I want you there, you know, and I say, I want you there at nine o'clock, that would be the third hour. If I say, I want you there at nine o'clock at a meeting, what time are you supposed to be there? Nine o'clock. Well, people who live under this kind of system, they think of nine o'clock as mid-morning. They're not thinking of nine o'clock. They don't, they, don't, they, don't have, they don't have clocks. And so they're not sitting there, you know, they're not looking at sections of the sky and going, okay, six o'clock right there, it's noon right there, and so nine o'clock is gonna be right about there. That's when I'm gonna show up when the sun gets right there. They don't do that. What they do is they just go mid-morning, okay? And here's the thing about mid-morning. Mid-morning is a couple hours long. And so you have the first, you have the first part of the morning which would, go, which would go up to mid-morning, but mid-morning would be like, you know, I mean, we got to do nine o'clock, but that would go from, you know, basically about eight, seven thirty, eight o'clock to about 10.30. Guess what midday went from? And so it went from about 10.30 all the way to about 1.30, right in, right in there. That's how long midday was. And so, and then when you had the afternoon, it was the same kind of thing, 1.30 to about 4.30 or so. And then from 4.30 to, to the last part of the day, that was the last hour at that point from sundown. So when you're in, uh, for example, gosh, I think it was in, it's in, Luke, in the Gospel of Luke. Do I have that reference? I don't have it there. But in the Gospel of Luke, it talks about guy goes out and gets a bunch of guys to work in his vineyard. And he gets some of them at at the at the at the sixth or at, at the at sunrise, then some at the third hour, some at the sixth hour, and some at the eleventh hour. Well, the eleventh hour isn't five o'clock. The eleventh hour is sometime between mid-afternoon and sundown. It's right in there. That's what they would call the eleventh hour. And so when you when you have in Mark's gospel that it was the third hour. It's not talking about nine o'clock, it's talking about mid-morning. And when you have John's gospel saying it's about the sixth hour, you're not talking about noon, 
you're talking, a, you're talking about midday, which went all the way from about 10.30 to about 1.30. And so depending on your point of view, when you're looking at, 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 at the sun and at the time that these, was, were, uh, that these things are going on, one guy can look at the, at the, at the uh, place where the sun is and go, it's midday. And another guy can look at it and he goes, you know, it's the, it's the end of mid-morning, but it's mid-morning. You could say exactly the same thing. What I'm telling you is there's overlap there. And that's most likely what's going on in the passage. And so that's one of those things where um, it looks like there's a contradiction in the Bible because you have the sixth hour um, versus the third hour. And the only reason we think that way is because we have these or you have your phone. And you're not dealing with people who have watches and cell phones. You're dealing with people who go midday. You know, This is something that missionaries run into all the time because you got people who are out in the boonies, they don't have any watches, and you say, okay, we're gonna have a meeting at 10 o'clock. Well, they show up at noon. They're two hours late. And the reason that, they're, that it's like that is because they're not, they don't have a society that's ordered by a clock at that point. What they're looking at is midday basically. So you want it 10 o'clock? Okay, I'm calling that midday. And so there's this time period that you can show up and you've shown up on time uh, in that situation. And so that's what you have here. Sunrise, third, uh, third hour would be mid-morning, sixth hour would be midday, ninth hour would be afternoon, and then 12th is uh, sunlight, uh, sunset. And so Pilate ends up giving Jesus over to the Jews and they, they took him away to have him, led him away to have him crucified. Wrapping this up, I'm, I'm gonna stop right here. We'll, we'll do the actual crucifixion next week. But one of the things that Pilate does is he washes his hands. And you find that in, in another one of the gospels. He specifically has this little ceremony come out, you know, where he brings out a bowl of water and he washes his hands of the whole situation as if that's gonna take away any fault that he's got and he thinks that everything's gonna be cool. What ends up happening is Pilate ends up being recalled to Rome by Tiberius, and he gets recalled to Rome because he was not a great, after this point, there's some uprisings, and Pilate just kind of goes crazy on these people, and so the Jews want him out of there, the Jewish rulers want him out of there, and so Tiberius recalls him, uh, but Tiberius dies before his arrival. Eusebius, who was a Christian historian, says that he was exiled to Gaul and then later on he was forced to commit suicide. And so Pilate had this miserable life. He had the opportunity to come into a relationship with Jesus. He knew that Jesus was innocent. He acknowledged Jesus's innocence seven different times when he was talking with them. Over and over, three different times, he says, I find no fault in him. Luke 23, 20, it says, Pilate, therefore, willing to release Jesus. In Luke 2, 3 through 22, he talks about, I will let him go. He sought to release him in John 19, 12. He determined to release him. Acts 3, 13 says that. And again, um, you have the situation that took place with his wife. That's, there's the verse, you can put that up. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him saying, have nothing to do with that just man for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. Pilate tried to acquit Jesus and he failed. He failed. 
in John 18, 31, when they brought him before uh, Pilate, when they brought Jesus before Pilate, he says, you judge him according to your law. And they, they wouldn't do that. When he found out that Herod, that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at the time. And then you see him trying to pawn off Barabbas as a replacement for Jesus. But God forced him into the place where he had to make a decision concerning Christ. Jesus said, he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. And that's the ultimate forcing into a decision. That's the verse that saved my life, right there. That one in Matthew 12, 30. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. And I realized I wasn't with Jesus. I knew at the point that I uh, came into that room with all those people that there were a bunch of people there that were with Jesus, but I wasn't one of them. I thought before that point that I was a Christian because I, w I lived in America and I didn't know any better. When I got into a room full of Christians, I realized these people are different than I am. And by the time that the pastor got to the end of the sermon and he said, he who is not with me is against me and he who does not gather with me scatters, I realized I'm a guy who scatters. I'm not a, I'm not a guy who gathers and I'm not with him. Um, one of the things that the pastor said is to be undecided is to be decided. You're either for Jesus or you're against him. And Jesus doesn't leave any middle room in this situation. We have to make a choice. And so that's the reason that we bring people to the point where they have to make a choice about coming to Christ. Everybody gets pushed, put into this position, even if you're not doing it with them. God puts people in this kind of position where you have to make a decision about whether or not you're gonna follow Jesus or whether or not you're gonna follow the crowd, whether, you're not gonna, whether or not you're gonna follow Jesus or whether or not you're gonna do what your friends want you to. Everybody has to make that choice. Pilate did, everybody does, all the way down through the ages. So, I don't usually do this on a Wednesday night, but you may not have made the choice. I don't know, I don't know why you're here. You're here to hear awesome Bible studies, right? That's why you're here. Or you're here because you're seeking God. And are you here seeking God because you already know God? Or are you here seeking God because you would like to know him? And this is the way that you get to know him, by making a decision about following him. And there's not another way. At some point, you have to come to the point where you yield your will to the Lord's and you say, Jesus, I want you in my life. Jesus, I wanna follow you. God, I want you to forgive me for my sin. I wanna be a child of God. I wanna be a Christian. You have to do this because God doesn't take you to heaven just because he says so. He always honors your free will. He always gives you a choice. And so God's not gonna, you know, he's not gonna come along and say, get up into heaven right now. That's not gonna happen. He doesn't do it that way. The only people who go to heaven are people who want to. And the people who go to heaven are people who've recognized who Jesus is. And the want to has to do with a changed life. Has to do with, I don't wanna be this anymore. I wanna be something different. And you're all in the room, and I understand that you're here for specific purpose, and actually, if you're not a Christian yet, I applaud you for being here. You know, this is not a place that I would be, would have been when I was a non-Christian. I would not have been here. The only reason I went to church in the first place was because a guy talked me into it, and I, I was a guy who kept his word. And so I showed up. That's the only reason. 
I went to church because I said I would, and I did. And then I ran into Jesus. And so I don't know why you're here, but if you're here for any other reason than having a real relationship with Jesus, I'm, I'm forcing you into making a decision. Actually, it's not even me. It's the Lord that force, forces you into making a decision. So you're either for him or against him. You either scatter or you, or, or you gather together. And so that's a choice that you've got to, that's a situation you've got to look at and you have to make a decision as to what you want to be. Do you want to be somebody who's on Jesus' side or do you want to be somebody who's on the world's side? Because that's where you're going. Do you want to be somebody who's on Jesus' side or you want to be the guy who's on your own side? Because that's where you're going. By the way, did you know that Satan never goes around asking people to follow him? He never does that. Satan, when he, when he was talking to Adam and Eve, didn't say, make a choice between me and God. You, you know, if you follow me, I'll give you this and that and this and that and this and that. He never does that. You know what Satan always does? He gets you to follow yourself. He gets you to make self the most important thing. And when you make self the most important thing, you turn away from God and he's got you. That's all he wants. God is the only one who comes to you and says, I want you to follow me. I want you to come after me. And then he gives you a choice. So I don't know if you've made the choice or not, but I'm gonna give you a chance. You can tell what I'm doing, right? I'm gonna give you the chance. And if you haven't given your life to Jesus, if you don't know, if you died right now, if you died today, if you'd go to heaven, if you don't know, if you have a real relationship with Christ, there is no reason to live that way. The Bible says that he who has a son of God has a life. You can know that you know that you're going to heaven, but it's all wrapped up in having Jesus. The Bible says the way that you get Jesus is by calling on the name of the Lord. If you call on the name of the Lord, this is out of Romans 10. If you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. The way you call on the name of the Lord is through prayer. In John chapter one, it says, as many as received him, talking about Jesus, to them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. And so you're not a child of God until you've received Christ. And yeah, you're a created being and that, that whole thing, God made you and all that kind of stuff. You don't have a relationship with God. You're not a child of God until you've received Christ because you're adopted. You know, when the Bible talks about becoming a Christian, it always puts it in relational terms. And so Jesus is like the husband and I am like the wife. I'm not married to a husband. You know, I'm, a wife is not married to a husband because the husband decides so. The husband comes to the wife, he woos the wife, you know, courts her, does that whole thing. At some point he asks the girl if she will marry him and she gets to say yes or no, or maybe, and maybe is no, right? And husband-wife relationship. And so that's how it's pictured. Son-father relationship is another way, but it's an adoption. And anybody who gets adopted, anybody who's been adopted has to say yes to an adoption. And so I've been adopted twice, both times I went to court, and the, and the judge asked me if I wanted to be part of this man's family, if I wanted to have my name changed. And both times I had to say yes. Once was when I was seven, and the next time was when I was about nine years old, 10 years old, somewhere in there. And both times it was my choice to do this. And God does exactly the same thing. He wants you in his family. He wants you to be part of a relationship with him. And in every instance, that relationship is something that's tight and relational. You've been listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. 
Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities in Kennewick, Washington. If you are interested in purchasing a copy of today's message or wanting to know more about what it means to follow Christ, then please contact our church office by phone at 509-736-2086. You can also look us up online at calvary-tricities.org. There you will find a wide variety of Pastor Steve's teachings to listen to or download for free. If you want to join us for church sometime, we are located at 10611 West Clearwater Avenue in Kennewick, Washington. Our Sunday morning service times are 7.30, 9.15, and 11 a.m. We also have Wednesday and Sunday evening services at 6.30 p.m. We hope you have been blessed today and join us again next time for Crosswalk.